This is Therapy For Us By Us, a podcast showcasing conversations centering black and brown voices in therapy and mental wellness from the lens of the mental health practitioner. Truly a space created for us, by us, in an effort to build community and see ourselves reflected in wellness spaces. I'm Claudia Parada, an associate marriage and family therapist, and I'm excited to connect with all of your beautiful stories. Welcome. Hola, hola. This is Therapy for Us by Us podcast. This podcast is showcasing conversations centering Black and Brown voices in therapy and wellness from the lens of the mental health practitioner. My name is Claudia Parada, Associate Marriage and Family Therapist. And today we have the privilege of having Vivian Roman Hampton, licensed independent clinical social worker from Massachusetts. Welcome, Vivian. Thank you, Claudia. It's great to be here. I'm so happy that you could be here too. So am I. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I want to have Vivian on because uh, we actually, you know, in talking to you, I realized we have a similar passion in centering uh, Black and Brown experiences and amplifying those voices. Um, But before we get into all of those juicy details, Would it be okay with you if you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, Let's see, I um, was born and raised in New York um, and I joined the military at 18 when I got out of high school, um, kind of just trying to figure out who I was and, you know, discover the world and um, ended up going to college, uh, studying psychology at UNLV, and then um, somehow ended up in Massachusetts. Um, I got my master's of social work at Salem State University. Uh, and before, um, before I completed that, I had got a graduate certificate in women in politics and public policy at UMass Boston. Um, when I completed my my master's in social work, there was a period of time where I thought that I would just um, continue doing work with veterans, having served in the military and seeing a lot of, you know, what occurred there as well as, you know, what happens after people leave service. And I started working at the VA. Um, and once fully licensed, started seeing clients part-time um, and then just starting to recognize that, um, the work I was doing in uh, private practice was an opportunity to, to really connect with people like me who felt like they were not being seen um, in some of the spaces that they were being afforded around mental health. And so what was started out as a part-time experience became a full-time passion. Um, I left the VA and I just leapt into uh, full-time private practice 
and started um, just seeing clients and kind of telling myself, I'm not going to put anything specific out there. I want to see who shows up, so to speak. And who showed up were people who had lived very marginalized experiences like myself. And so as people kept coming in, they would start to say things like, do you know anyone else who does this work like you do? Or, you know, are you going to hire? And um, it was my um, dream to have a collective of other clinicians who had a passion for this work like I did. And so I just started the process of hiring, which took a really long time. Uh, my first clinicians that joined the practice, it was eight months before I selected someone because um, it was really important that they aligned with um, the mission of the work. And um, now we are a practice of 15 individuals um, who really have been really fortunate enough to work uh, with the communities that we grew up in um, and amplify voices don't, don't, don't often get amplified in mental health. Um, that's how we've gotten to, to this group practice that uh, I'm, I'm lucky to be a part of now. Wow, that's amazing. Um, truly, truly amazing. Congratulations. Um, I'm just so inspired by that as a as somebody who is just starting off on their journey in terms of uh private practice and and all of that like our you know my uh colleagues and and our dream is to plant uh at some point start a, a collective and start a practice together um and one of the things that i always feel is very important is going to be who it is that i work with and uh, how our values align um so what you were saying and how long it took and how thoughtful you were and how intentional you were uh, totally makes sense to me. Uh, and really, I resonate with that a lot. Um, and yeah, I'm not surprised at all that people were coming to you and saying, who works like you? Um, and also, like, are you going to be hiring? So that's also like really cool to hear that, uh, that, that people were coming to you and, and asking you, um, I think it's, it's, it's reflective of, of, of your quality of work. Mm -hmm. Thank hmm. you. Um, you know, I, I always remind myself and our staff that the reason we exist and exist in the numbers we do in this practice is because of our clients and the faith that they have in us. Um, you know, having clients that I work with say like, you know, I want to refer someone, but I don't want them to take my spot. And I'm like, okay. Um, and then, you know, getting that the staff on board and being like you just mentioned, so selective about who participates in this um, practice when clients do show up or clients that I know want to refer someone, they'll say things like, I know you don't you know, you, you didn't just put anybody in this spot. So I'm comfortable referring other people here because I know that you put time and effort into the selection of each person who's here. And that is really important to me because the last thing I want is for, um, you know, our clients to, you know, amplify us in a sense and, you know, talk about how, you know, 
supportive we can be on their journeys to wellness and then kind of feel like, yeah, except for, you know, all the new hires or, you know, anything like that, that there's a feeling mm-hmm. of the same quality of care, whomever they sit across from. And that was really important to me. And so there were definitely times when I thought, oh my gosh, we have a waiting list. I have to hurry up. And I would just remind myself like, but that's not, you know, that's not the mission of this work. Like we have to make sure that everybody who's sitting here, you know, working with someone is just as passionate, just as driven to bring social justice back to social work. And, you know, each one of our clinicians is has been or continues to be marginalized in some way. And so there isn't this feeling of like, I don't know what you're dealing with. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am definitely resonating with what you're saying in terms of you know, wanting to feel like I'm sitting across from somebody who has some level of understanding that I um, have oppressed identities. Mm-hmm. And not to, um, not to say that this person who is a clinician is going to know exactly what I've been through because that's impossible, but also right. how important that is just for the healing journey. Just to know that I'm understood, that I'm seen, that you're not going to pathologize me or you're not going to think that something's wrong with me. Right. Um, And I think one of the big things that at least we talk about in in the practice amongst um, the clinicians is this reminder of, you know, what we've learned doesn't always translate well into our communities. So because a lot of that can be very internally driven of like, oh, if you're struggling or suffering, it's all about what you're doing internally. And there's this, you know, forgetfulness or this choice of exclusion around how society and how historical things have impacted us and still continue to impact us. And that doesn't mean that, you know, there aren't things that people can overcome. It just means we have to take into consideration the environmental factors that play out for our communities because they are part of, you know, the struggles that we have. Yeah, I could not agree with you more. I totally also think that as well. Um, One of the things that I am constantly re-evaluating or evaluating and re-evaluating in myself as a clinician is okay yes I did learn this but also how is this holding up to the folks that I am how's this template that I I have learned um am I able to use this to the to the benefit of who I'm serving right and if not then then we need to think about we need to think about a different way where where we can support folks in the community um but really like making sure that we are looking at or that I'm looking at systems and bringing the attention Mm to to systems in place and structures in place, Um, which, you know, it's not really talked about very much in, um, at least in my education. Absolutely. Um, You know, and I think sometimes we can even see that in conversations we can have in like clinical groups where, you know, I think of um, when right before the election, when, um, there were people in some different clinical groups on Facebook saying things like, oh, you shouldn't be talking with your clients about politics. That's irrelevant. And like just the anger in me of recognizing that someone is clearly sitting from a place of privilege that can feel like, oh, that shouldn't be a stressor. 
Um, and yet I'm sitting here and the rest of the clinicians that are working at this practice are sitting here with clients fearful of what's going to happen next, as well as we're sitting here with our own fear of like what was going to be the, you know, the outcome of things. And so the fact that, you know, there are people who can just pretend like environmental experiences and systems don't have an impact was mind blowing to me um, and continues to be when I hear things like that, because those are conversations that we do have in therapy. Absolutely. I'm just acknowledging or yeah, acknowledging in me, like what a huge miss that would be for that person's client. Mm -hmm. If, if that was something that just wasn't brought into the room, right? Like actual things that are happening in the world, even just not to say that the clinician is the one driving the conversation, but even just a check-in like, Hey, this thing's happened today. How are you with that? And if you right. know the client doesn't want to talk about it, fine. But bring it into like we are living in a real world. Like this is not just you and I in this room by ourselves. Absolutely. You know those conversations. I mean, just last week we, um, our staff communicates um, through Slack, and you know, just messaging like, "Hey, everyone, just a call out there to check in." with our Haitian clients to see if they mm-hmm. have family in Haiti and how they're doing, you know, and then it was, Hey, checking in with our active duty or veteran clients, just checking in to see how, how they're feeling or, you know, what kind of thoughts they're having with everything going on in Afghanistan. Those mm-hmm. are things that, you know, those check-in things that we remind each other to do. And then also checking in with the staff, you know, you know, if, if a clinician is Haitian or a clinician has served or a clinician is, you know, of experience that's currently going on, how are we not also checking in with them? Like, hey, are you doing okay? Can you show up for your client? Because if not, that's okay and we can we can work with that. But we also want to check in with each other. How are we doing? Right, absolutely. Because if we're not, yeah, if I'm not doing that with myself, with my colleagues, and how can I how can I think that I can do that with my clients? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So important, definitely. Mm-hmm. Huh. So um, one of the things that I feel pretty curious about is how, um, like in the, in the modalities in which you work, how do you bring, how do you draw that bridge? Um, because we are trained in a really highly individualistic to view things individualistically. So is it just bringing in like the, the current events piece or is there other things that it is that you're doing or is there a critical lens that it is that you're bringing to every training that it is that you're doing? How, how is it for you? How are you drawing that, uh, that bridge um, to make sure that we're, or to make sure that you're, um, like looking at the bigger picture, if you will. Hmm. I mean, of course we bring in a lot of our learning, but we're also constantly amongst ourselves and our trainings and our discussions, challenging our learning as well. And so we may talk about, you know, an approach and then be like, oh, you know what, that doesn't address or, you know, what I sometimes feel can be missing there. So what can we, you know, bring in to kind of cover that piece. And I'm really big about like, 
like just hybriding everything. So it's like, oh, this works and this works. Um, I'm gonna put them together and see what would happen from here. And you know, for me, the the reminder that um, I always give when I'm providing supervision or when I'm sitting with the other clinicians and we're just talking is there was one approach that worked, we would not have learned anything else. So, you know, we have to remember that there's lots of theoretical approaches out there. What is going to resonate here and what's going to resonate with our clients? And, you know, and each individual we sit across from is, is unique and different. And so maybe you did CPT early this morning with your 9 a.m., but maybe you're going to, you know, have to move to IFS or, you know, um, DBT or liberation psychology. Like, so it's really important for us. We are constantly learning. And I think that was also um, in selecting people who um, work at the practice. One of the things that I was always looking to hear during the interview was like, I love learning about mental health because that's what we're constantly doing here. Um, and so, and I also think that we have to remember as clinicians to bring in our, our common sense. So if I'm sitting here and I'm working with someone and we're doing this internal work or we're speaking about trauma, I also, how can I not look at, you know, the experiences that may have played out for this client externally? And if I'm like not listening to that voice and being like, well, but this approach doesn't really call into context the environmental factors. It's like, okay, but common sense is that they exist. So let's talk about them. And so that's really important to me is, you know, that piece of don't forget that before you were a therapist, you were someone potentially living some of these same experiences. What would you want centered here? Or how would you want to have this conversation? Or would you want to make sure someone didn't forget that these other factors played into, you know, where you're sitting at right now? Yes. Absolutely. I'm, I'm so glad that you you are bringing, bringing these points in. Um, and for the folks who are listening who um, have maybe never heard some of these terms before, the CBT, DBT, and um, there was one other one that you said. IFS, internal family systems. Internal family systems, yes. So these are different, these are different theor- uh, theories uh, and ways that you can work in, the, in, in therapy. So for folks who, who we haven't heard those before. This is just different approaches to the work, but really, I mean, the way that I'm interpreting what you're saying is like, um, for our non-clinical folks and even, you know, for the therapists that are out there, like, you know, folks should be able to go into a room and feel like their therapist can really meet them. At mm. least that's what I believe. Yes. Like I want to be, I want to feel connected to my therapist. Um, and that you're not just using like a cookie cutter approach to not you, but my therapist, right? Like a cookie cutter approach, um, to, to my life, to my issues, to my problems. Like, um, we, we should be able to like meet our folks where they're at, um, and really see them and see them in their context. I think that's like one of the most important things to me and it's foundational to my work as well. Like, yeah, you're not existing in a vacuum. It's not just you. It has, it has an individual mm-hmm. right. and uh, different things are going to work for different people. Absolutely. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think what I was really aware of as you were talking was just the very, um, my own experience in, in my therapy journey 
and like the first therapist that I saw and how I really felt like I didn't like the contact or like the interactions that I had with her Mm. Um, and just not knowing that I could step out of that and continue to look and to have something different. Um, So that's what was really coming up for me. And I think one of the reasons why I, not I think, I know, one of the reasons why I started this podcast was really because I want folks to know like clinicians, therapists, counselors, like our human people right? Um, and can like have that type of relationship with you if you want it, like that they're, they're human beings. They're, they're in the room. Um, and that if something feels off that like, y'all don't have to sit through that. Like you don't have to sit through right. it and like just feel like that's the only thing or that's the only way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things that we are always ensuring that we work on is that removal of the power dynamic in therapy. You know, I am not above you and we are on an equal playing field. And I know I always remind my clients in the first session, there may be things you learn from me and um, there's going to be things I learn from you. And that's exciting. Like I'm, I'm looking forward to the fact that we're going to learn from each other and we try to establish that right from the beginning. So people understand, like, I'm not some person that, you know, is somehow better than you or never had problems than you or any of those other, you know, storytelling that we do where right away we're stepping into the therapy space and kind of like dogging ourselves or, you know, continuing negative self-talk in relation now to our therapist. So it's really important for us that we, you know, kind of just call it out in the room and say like, you and I are the same. Like we are, we are on the same level playing field. I'm no better than you just because I'm in here as the therapist. Yeah, I definitely have my own version of that. And usually it sounds something like, um, Hey, look, like I understand you're a client. I'm a therapist. And I don't say that, um, I think my way of doing that is like, I'm not your equal. Like I understand that's something that I could say could like really have a heavy influence, but I want to name it. Like I want to name the thing that like, we're both here in relationship to one another. Um, And like, there are things that like, I can be wrong. Like I'm going to say things that you might not like, or I'm going to fuck up, you know? And so like, I want to talk about it. And I mean, my hope is, is that, I don't fuck up so bad that it's going to be irreparable. Right. But like, I want to talk about these things because um, we're in relationship with one another. Absolutely. And that's such an important piece to establish in the beginning. I agree. Totally. Um, I think I was going to ask you too, like if somebody is really, just starting out and they're like considering maybe like, oh, right. Like I might be ready to like see a therapist. I'm not sure. Do you have any thoughts on like what they should consider, what they should be asking their therapist if they're like just starting to think about that? Um, what what are your thoughts on that? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, one of, at our practice, we, um, we provide a free phone consultation with our client care coordinator. And that was a, a, a position in a sense that I used to do until we got too big 
Um, and now um, we have someone specifically who that's that's all they do. And that is an opportunity to ask lots of questions on both sides. And I, you know, when even when I have friends who say like, oh, I'm thinking about going to therapy, you know, is there anything in particular I should ask? And I always say, well, the first thing you should ask is, can I have a phone consultation? Um, I think that it's beneficial for both um, the clinician or the practice as well as the client to kind of get an idea before they commit to that first appointment of, does this seem like a, uh, a person or a place that I want to actually you know, start growing with. Um, I think that sitting in a first session without any prior knowledge is just feels for me personally, like an uncomfortable way to start the relationship. Like, I don't know who you are sitting across from me. I have, you know, no iota of what's about to happen. And now I'm about to just start telling you things um, versus having an opportunity to potentially have a consultation with either the, the, the individual therapist that um, you've reached out to or, you know, someone in the practice so that you can hear more about what, you know, what's going on here. What, you know, what do the clinicians stand for? What kind of work do they do? Um, and also, what am I looking to do here? You know, sometimes people call and it's like, oh, my, I have a goal or I am living with anxiety and I want to deal with it. Or, oh, I'm just trying to, you know, juggle all of the different stressors in my life. You know, we know that it, this potentially could be more to it than just those, you know, first couple of sentences that, you know, we're introduced to the client about. But at least there's an idea of can we provide what you're looking for? You know, there's definitely been clients who called us. And if we didn't feel we were a good fit, we're honest right from the start. I don't want to waste anyone's time and mm -hmm. say, I don't know if we're the best place for you. So can we, you know, give you some recommendations for someplace else? Because, you know, you've already taken the first step and that's a big step, which is to reach out and say, I, I want to work on my wellness. And now we want to make sure that you do it where it's most appropriate. Yeah. I mean, I really appreciate that. And also like putting the responsibility on the therapist, which is not to take to take care of the folks who are seeking support in that, like knowing yourself well enough to say, I can help you. And I for sure know that I can support you right. or I'm not going to be the best fit for you. Let me support you in finding somebody who will be. Right. Um, and having that, taking that responsibility very seriously and understanding what it is that uh, potential clients are looking for, um, because it could be so much more than just uh, the first few things that come out of somebody's mouth, right? Like, as we know, um, emotional and mental health are so, there's such a, it's an ocean of, uh, of stuff, right? So, right. yeah, it's a big, it's a big responsibility for sure. Yeah, I was just, I was having a flashback to um, when I was uh, first meeting with one of my therapists and I was like, hey, what are you writing over there on that notepad? I want to know. What do you, are you what are you do you talk about me outside of session? Like I wanted to know all the things because like that was that was all of my stuff. Right. But I was like, yeah, like, who are you talking to me about? What do you talk to my what do you talk to your supervisor about about me? <laughs> like, what do you say? I mean, and she wouldn't always tell me like what it was that she was saying, but she would knew it enough to be like, here, look, here's what I wrote on my notepad just now. <laughs> um, so I can remember what it is that we're talking about. Or like I had a couple therapists who wanted to record and I was like, no, I don't want you to record me. 
no. Or yeah, it's fine. Uh, But I want to know what you're using it for. So like, I was just very, like, I just needed to know. Um, So yeah, I want all the folks to have all the things, but also like knowing as when I'm the therapist, I know like sometimes folks don't feel comfortable coming forward with that, um, those types of questions or those curiosities or whatever. So I'm like trying to make space for that. And hopefully like other clinicians too are making space to, um, making space for folks to like really show up, um, like with, with what they have on their mind, with what they have on their hearts, um, and for what's alive in the room. Right. Right. And it sounds also like, you know, that piece that I know we, we do our best or at least try to do our best at is, um, demystifying the experience. So, Mm -hmm. you know, someone's coming in and if this is their first experience with therapy and it may be their first experience with therapy even like amongst their own you know community or friends or family what what can we demystify right off the bat so it doesn't feel like you know this this space that you can't ask these certain questions so you know I definitely will say things like you know you're going to see me writing notes because I'm not going to remember everything you say um, and there's important things I want to take down um, so that I can actually, you know, have uh, a history of what we're doing. Um, you know, for us in our practice, we ask every client who starts with us on that first day in therapy in their first session to start journaling. So, you know, when I invite a client to potentially exercise that option of journaling, I'm sharing some, you know, pieces of why we find it valuable in the practice. You know, one of them is you kind of keeping account of your own experience of what's happening here. So, you know, can you now see potentially the improvement that takes place in therapy versus saying to me, you know, weeks or months later, do you think I'm getting better? Um, I often put that back to the client and say, well, what are you thinking? What have you noticed based on your writings? Um, and so I want people to see that they can trust themselves if they notice that they are improving, that they can trust that feeling, they can trust that thought, yes, I, I am improving. Or they can also trust the thought of, no, I'm not. Um, and let me tell you why, because I've noticed as I've been writing lately, this is happening or that these kinds of thoughts keep showing up and we haven't addressed them. Um, and that's important because that accountability is two ways. And so you know, having a client, um, one, the first, the first writing experience is writing about our first session together. And I'll just, you know, provide a couple questions, like just how'd you feel? You know, what kind of thoughts were coming up in your head? Maybe what you thought about me? What was your impression of, you know, the space? Um, Are there other things now that are showing up as you're writing that you, you like, oh, I wish I mentioned that before, or that you're looking forward to bringing up, you know, are there any fears that have shown up, you know, just kind of giving those examples, and then just asking them to start with writing three days a week for 10 minutes. And I'll always say, I don't care what you write right now, because I just want you to get into the habit of trusting that you can sit for that time, and allow whatever to come out to come out. And then as we continue our work together, we start providing more directed journal questions, particularly during the experience of our work together. So I could be in a session and someone could talk about something and I might say, I want you to stop right there. That's going to be a journal question that I'd like you to spend some more time reflecting on that we can then look at next session. And then we can get back to whatever it is that we are currently 
discussing. Yeah, I'm really loving all that. I love, I personally love journaling myself. It took me a long time to get into it. But I think one of the most important things that you said that really resonate with me is the piece around like you wanting, you didn't say the word empowered, but to me, that's how I interpreted it. Like you want clients to feel empowered to really trust themselves. And this Mm -hmm. is a way to cultivate that trust within, within themselves. Like they are having that uh, relationship uh, with themselves as they're writing, they can track their progress. They can see, uh, they can see what's happening. They can integrate in in that way. Um, which I think is invaluable. Like that's amazing. Um, if they are coming and they're doing that work, um, and really being able to like cultivate that sense of, that sense of trust. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So appreciating all of that. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So I think we are at time. It went by very quickly. <laughs> it um, did. <laughs> and I'm wondering, is there any last um, thoughts that you might have? Anything that you want to leave leave our listeners with? Just, you know, if you haven't found the right therapist, if you felt like you haven't made the connection that um, gets you to the space of feeling like this is where I, I wanna do my healing or if you're not sure if you're ready to do this, like just just, just make the call. Um, you know, You can always say no, but take an opportunity to ask your questions, you know, whatever question you know you you ask there there's an opportunity to to build conversation with a clinician around something that may put that light bulb on for you of like ah that's what i was looking for um and so sometimes when we feel like i don't even know where to begin all we need to do is that you know pick up the phone or send an email and say i'm thinking about therapy and i just like an opportunity to talk to you for a little bit and and see if if we're we're a good fit and if you're if if you're not, that's okay. There's a lot of other therapists. I always tell clients during phone consults that we spend more time looking for the right shoe than we do for the therapist. And this is the person we're going to sit across from and potentially share all types of experiences and vulnerabilities. And we should invest as much time, if not more, in, this, in, in how we shop for our shoes than we do for this. Mm-hmm. Yes, I completely agree with all of that. Um, Thank you. Those were a wonderful message to leave with. So thank you. Thank you so much, Vivian. I appreciate having you on and all of your, all of your wisdoms and everything that it is that you shared. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, this was, this was fun. Um, I love talking about mental health. Um, so I'm glad that you're the one keeping track of time. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Okay, so for our listeners out there, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I appreciate you all. This is um, Therapy for Us by Us podcast. And um, to learn more about Vivian and her practice, um, we will have their website and contact info in the show notes. Activated by Wellness is the name. Um, And until next time, take really good care. 
Thank you for listening to Therapy for Us by Us podcast. If you love what we're doing, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or keep the conversation going on Instagram by liking, commenting, and sharing with your friends. I'm looking forward to connecting with you next time. And until then, take care. Listen, so understand the complexity. Two homes, two worlds, two notions of identity. Where money motivates bigotry and 12 kills every 28 flippantly. I try to dream of roses with no concrete. Kofi and Nana Nachik philosophies. Lows with high cheekbone anomalies. Yummy eyes a high breeze. Sun kiss so we forget where the bottom be. But everybody ain't a huckleberry. On the block you can cop a piece before your teens. It's hard to make it straight when God by the crooked streets. With loving words only make it to the eulogy. So we grind just to make it to the master seat. But the reason Levine's on the master ring. Cause you make it to the house selling field man dreams. It's the life of the creed till we change the scene.